Hi, I'm Paul Strinkler and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's time to round them up as we take a look back at Microsoft Ignite. So settle back and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Tech Interviews. Uh, on this week's show, we're, we seem like we're heading off into virtual conference season. I didn't even know that was a thing uh, until the last week. Um, so we've uh, we've got uh, VMworld coming up um, this week while we're recording. Uh, we've got NetApp Insight coming up later in October. We've got Veeam Live coming up later in October. Um, and last week, uh, at the point we're recording this at least, last week we had Microsoft Ignite. So um, I wanted just to grab uh, a couple of people in the most polite way, of course, uh, get hold of a couple of people just to kind of get their views of what we heard from Microsoft over the couple of days for me I thought it was a really interesting conference um, and a real interesting shift in a way that Microsoft are looking at the world but um, hey who wants to know what I thought um, when we can have a couple of people who spend a lot of time working in the Microsoft ecosystem to join me and, and share what they thought and what, what they took away from the event so um, well both guests are returning uh, uh, returning guests to the show uh, one being on much more recently than the other um, so why don't I introduce my guests um, I'm joined today by Sarah Lean and Kirk Ryan. Uh, hi guys, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm very well. Yeah, Kirk, how are you doing? Great, thanks, Paul. Okay, I just thought I'd check, being as you didn't say anything when I asked first time. I just wanted to make sure you were still alive. Um, so, um, well, look, um, I mean, before we jump into MS Ignite, um, I know people have certainly seen Sarah on the show recently, but for those who haven't before, um, maybe I'll start with you, Kirk. Um, why don't you tell people who you are and what it is you do? Sure, no worries. So hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Kirk Ryan. If you ever contact me, you'll get it the wrong way and call me Ryan. So if you ever meet someone called Ryan Kirk, I'm the same person. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I work in the uh, the Azure team at NetApp, so primarily covering Azure NetApp files. I'm the principal technologist for that. Um, and that means I work very closely with my colleagues over at Microsoft helping uh, design data solutions. So everything that you can do on-premise, but in, in, in Azure, um in the most cost effective optimal manner possible okay so sounds good i like that cost effective and optimal um and and indeed the amount of times you get called ryan um is <laughs> is hilarious for the rest of us probably really annoying for you um and uh, and sarah so for people who don't know who you are sarah um why don't you tell us uh, who you are and what you do um, yeah, so I'm a senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, which means I get to um, do some fun stuff for my job. So I write blogs, I do videos, I get to play with technology, I get to interact with the community, and I get paid to even do stuff like this with you guys. So um, yeah, I have a, a pretty cool job. <laughs> and, and I'd just like to point out for anybody who's planning on being a Tech Interviews guest, when Sarah says she's getting paid to do things like this, she doesn't mean by me. So uh, you yeah. know, let's, let's just set, set, the, uh, set the expectations. Um, and, and if Kirk's now writing me an email asking where to send the invoice, he's going to be really disappointed. Um, so both are doing this perfectly for free, just to share their thoughts. So, um, so we, well, we, we talked a little bit before about this kind of uh, running into what seems to be um, a, a season for virtual conferences. Obviously, 2020 has meant pretty much virtual conferences all the way. Um, but for people who've not uh, not familiar with Microsoft Ignite and, and what MS Ignite covers, um, Sarah, maybe as a as a Microsoft person in the room, do you want to kind of give us a put a, bit, a little bit of context around what MS Ignite covers, what what it's what it's there for? Yeah, sure. Um, Microsoft Ignite is usually our biggest in person, largest conference that we hold every year, and it's it's focused on the technical sessions. So we often do big product announcements at these kind of events, and then cover off lots of technical sessions about how you can solve problems with Microsoft technology. And it's focused around not only the technology, but 
the community as well. So it's great to be able to bump into friends and colleagues from across the world um, at these events, share some stickers, share a good um, drink and stuff like that, and um, just have some fun. And it's really, yeah, I think that's really just ignite te- technology and community. Technology, community, and drinking. Uh, it, it like. So uh, you know, that, there, there's a there's a tech conference in a nutshell. Um, I, I would think. Um, and, and actually, Sarah, just um, I, I don't know how much actually you was, you was involved in uh, MS Ignite. I know there's kind of a couple of sessions, and I saw a couple of kind of live things that you did as well. Um, but from a from a Microsoft point of view, you know, what what was the were they apprehensive doing this as an online event? Yeah, what, what was kind of the Microsoft view? What was they did they look to try and deliver a, a kind of different type of conference this year? Um, a little bit of all of that, Paul, to be honest, um, because our first virtual conference was actually billed um, earlier this year. I think that was back in like April or something. So um, I think the team had like six weeks to scramble together from turning that into an in-person event to a virtual one. So we took lots of learnings from that. And then we had several of our internal and partner conferences as well um, in the summer, um, virtual instead of going to Las Vegas and, and, and being there. Um, so we definitely took all the learnings from Microsoft Ignite and trying to push it back, sorry, from those other events and push it back into Ignite. Um, I don't know whether we did it right or not. I'd love to hear from the audience and maybe even yourselves if we did manage to get it right in the blend of technology and community. Um, We did focus a lot on trying to get that human element together and make sure that there was lots of interactions and it wasn't just um, Microsoft people talking to you and delivering a session and then disappearing. Um, but like I said, I don't. I'd love to hear feedback on whether we did it right or wrong, and how we can improve. Because it looks like we're doing another ignite in March 2021. So um, we definitely want to take the feedback from this one and push it into the March one as well. So I'll I'll let Kirk do the offensive stuff then, uh, if you want to know how how it went. Um, so obviously, so so Kirk, for for you, um, you know, you work for a vendor in, in NetApp, a, a data. You know, data storage, data management company. Um, but you know, you, like you said, you spend a lot of time working in the Microsoft ecosystem because of the the role you play at NetApp. Um, but so from a from an ex, you know, and obviously NetApp have their own conferences as well, and we'll, we'll do a couple of uh, podcasts and shows about that in the uh, in the, the upcoming weeks. Um, but for a, a vendor like NetApp, you know, how how do you see Microsoft Ignite? You know, why are why are NetApp keen to be involved in that? And what did, what did NetApp bring to MS Ignite this year? You know, what what was what was your aims? Um, so. Yeah, I think it's a really important event for us because it showcases that transition from us moving away from being a traditional storage vendor. You know, I think we've managed to finally shake that sort of perception of we're just on-premise tin. You know, that um, that's something that's taken a while to sort of um, move, move on from that to being on stage, being announced um, in the keynotes at Ignite around being, you know, one of the strategic technology vendors that help Microsoft build their solutions. Um, so that that's really changed things. And I've been in this team now for two years where we've had the dedicated Azure team. We've always had a Microsoft Alliance team. Uh, I've been in that one for seven years. Um, but this, the level of what we're doing now is, is, is totally unique because it's not NetApp selling something as NetApp. It's NetApp helping Microsoft build something that really goes out there, helps their customers migrate easily into the cloud. Uh, and we're on that journey with Microsoft, building it, bringing those customers and to, to you know their their mission statement, empowering those customers to go and achieve those goals in, in the cloud. So it, it's been absolutely you know like like, like being on a rocket ship, um, uh, and only more so like the, obviously since everything kicking off uh, in the current world scenario, I'd say uh, 
you know, one phrase stuck out with me, and I'm not sure if I heard, who, who said it. I think it might have been in Mark's session where he went through and he said, you know, we have to think of, uh, you know, really thank a lot of people on the ground here because basically we're doing one year of digital transformation in, in typically just one month. Um, and, you know, that's hard to keep up with. So when we go through the announcements, there's just so much there. To, you know, this, this, this could easily be a 30-minute 30, 30 discussion or a three-day discussion if we wanted to go through everything there. But, yeah, it's, it, it's been fantastic to be on that bleeding edge in the new world of 100% cloud and, and helping customers to, to build out and, and really sort of achieve their cloud mandates. So you say three-day discussion jokingly, um, but, but as you two know, um, so, so this is the first of the kind of tech interviews where we're doing video, uh, where we've done that with more than one guest. We did all feel we might be here three days just getting recording to work. Quickly. So, um, so anyway, we're, we're here. Uh, it hasn't taken three days so far, just a two and a half. Um, so, um, so actually, I, I mean, just for and, and we're, we're going to probably look to do a show over the forthcoming weeks where we talk a little bit more about kind of that NetApp Microsoft integration piece. But, you know, for, for people who are not familiar with what Microsoft are doing inside of the um, Azure cloud, you know, do, you, do you want to give us kind of a, a minute or so on, on kind of what, what NetApp are doing there and, you know, and, and some of those solutions NetApp are, are building alongside Microsoft? Yeah, sure. So um, we're, we're helping Microsoft build a very resilient, reliable, scalable, and performant shared files platform, um, which is confusingly called Azure NetApp Files. So the word, having the word NetApp in there gives a lot of people the impression that it's from NetApp, but it's not. It's actually a first-party Microsoft service, just like Azure Files, just like a managed disk or a virtual machine or even a VNet from that perspective. So it's entirely first-party, um, supported by Microsoft and sold by Microsoft. But what that means is that traditionally very hard, difficult to migrate, complex to migrate systems, whether it be your mission-critical Oracle database through to some of the larger things like SAP HANA are probably the biggest projects I, I tend to work on repeatedly. Um, some, some multiple petabyte scale sort of um, customers there to give you some sort of idea of what we're dealing with. Um, that, that allows those customers to be able to, to build those appropriate landing zones in Azure, to have it fully vendor supported as well, which is obviously very important for your mission critical things and basically be able to do what they said was impossible, you know, pick up the, this data, run it much the same within the performance envelope of what you may ha have on prem and, um, and be built by the hour for it. So, so that, that, that's brilliant. You know, being able to bring that in and not say, yes, here's, here's a NetApp piece of uh, tin and you have to buy it for three years and it's just connected to Azure, for example. That's not the case. It's This is an entirely native service. Let's go plug it into AKS or let's go and put it to our your SAP HANA uh, VM. So it's really sort of uh, great. I, and yeah, I'd certainly suggest there's a lot of content out there, um, most notably docs.microsoft.com. Just pop onto docs.microsoft.com look up storage, look at Azure NetApp files. It's, it's, it's there and Microsoft has got all the documentation content and videos on there. So, you, so you've beat Sarah to talking about docs.microsoft.com. Um, so, uh, so, so we'll have to think of something else to mention. But um, okay, yeah. So, so yeah, and I, I do encourage people to go and have a look at some of the stuff that, that NetApp are doing in the, the Azure space. Cause I think, you know, it, it, it's interesting and, and, and I suppose we, we kind of move on to, to Microsoft Ignite. You know, I mean, my, my kind of key thing that really struck me, and, and you've seen this over probably the last three years maybe with, with any kind of Microsoft conference, is if, if you'd never come across Microsoft, the idea that Microsoft have been a traditional enterprise company who've built software that sits on-prem 
would seem very foreign to you you know i know there's a couple of one and actually one of my favorite sessions talked about the future of windows you know and i, and I thought that was um you know uh, brad anderson one of brad anderson sessions that i thought was really interesting um but you know there's there's no doubt that that the the focus of where microsoft take these events now is very much around this idea of an, an interest kind of the way you're describing netapp's relationship is this idea of of enterprise cloud this is not really developer cloud although i thought there's quite a lot of lot of really interesting stuff around developers in there um this is not really consumer cloud this is very much built for the enterprise to allow enterprises to kind of tactically introduce cloud into maybe more traditional on-prem businesses, you know. So, um, so, so that, that was something that really struck me and, and, and continues to strike me at these events. But um, so maybe Sarah, from from a Microsoft point of view, you know, how what what were some of the kind of the key things that jumped out at you from uh, Ignite this time round? Whether that was kind of announcements or or maybe even you know general shifts in thinking that maybe were either something you did or didn't expect, perhaps. Um, I think there was tons of announcements that we could talk about. I think I focused on the IT Pro ones because that's my my background in the audience that I talk to. And I think one of the big ones that I was quite excited about and I hadn't heard about even in the background was Azure Auto Manage, which is this, I want to say cool, that, that makes me sound a little bit sad, but um, <laughs> it's a great way of managing your virtual machines. I actually was playing with it today because um, it's in public preview, so you can go in the Azure portal and have a look at it. But what it allows you to do is onboard your Azure virtual machines onto a bunch of Azure services. So um, update management, change tracking, log analytics, um, backup all at the click of a button, right? You can set it up and it does it all. And you have like these two profiles that we've set up um, just right now. So you can set it up as a production virtual machine. So, you know, it'll have that full kind of production suite or you can set it up as a, a dev test one and we'll only get some of the features because we probably won't want to back up our development environment so it won't turn on backup. But it's it's a couple of clicks. Like, And if you've ever configured this in the portal for an Azure virtual machine, you'll know you're like three or four blades for each thing, half a dozen clicks, half a dozen things you have to set up. But this, this Azure auto-manage, does it all ultimately about four or five clicks and i'm like well that's going to be awesome for trying to manage or auto manage some of your virtual machines and save you time from doing the time consuming stuff so she can actually go and play with some of the more fun technology that's around so yeah i'm excited to dive into that and see where we actually take that and hopefully it won't be too long um, in preview and we can get it in ga but yeah that's exciting for me yeah, and I think I mean it's interesting. It's one of those things that you you kind of wasn't necessarily aware of because you spend a lot of your time, or if not all of your time, kind of architecting solutions inside of Azure. But I, I think it, it, it's an example of the way that public cloud is moving. You know, it's it's that rapid speed of innovation. You know, and actually that that idea again. One of the things that really stood out for me was a there's a lot of I thought a lot of, a lot of consideration about how you build in manageability, automation, control, uh, and actually simplify quite a lot of this stuff. Um, and I'll come back to something that kind of because I'd, I'd be interested in the thoughts that, that both of you maybe have on this. I'll, I'll come back to something a little bit later. But um, so so I mean, Kate, for you was it was there something that really stood out for you? Maybe again something perhaps you wasn't expected, whether it's a a, a NetApp or a Microsoft announcement. Um, well, yeah, there were two massive announcements that I weren't expecting. But just on Sarah's point there, I think you know, the the thing around the auto managed piece as exciting as that that is is just it allows you to just focus on bringing value into the business as opposed to keeping the lights on. 
Um, so that we saw that as a big win um, for ourselves as well, because nobody likes patching at the end of the day. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the two big ones, come on, um, obviously going to be Orbital. Um, Orbital was a massive one that, that that we saw, and we're just like, wow, our, you know, one minute we're in space, and then by, by you know the the opposite start, um, part of it, we were looking at uh, Project Natick. And we're under the sea. So we've gone from space <laughs> to under the sea very quickly. And um, I, I thought those were really interesting things to see. Like yeah, from, from space you know. to under the sea really quickly is not always a good thing. Uh, just to point <laughs> well, out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, I mean, so, I, I, actually, okay, you know, just, just for people who are maybe not familiar with those two projects, you know, did you want to give a little bit of, you know, as much detail as you can? I mean, I know, I, I know there wasn't loads of detail in the event, but maybe for people who aren't familiar with those two projects. Yeah, I'll try my best. So for for the um, for Orbital, what I took away was it's basically a pay by the hour, so pay as you go ground station services, which would be great for anyone in broadcast multimedia, or if you do happen to have any satellites hanging around, um, then you can point them directly into Azure and get secure connection and pay, pay by the hour for it, rather than standing up all this infrastructure and basically turning that that capex to a nice opex instead. So that can make you very agile. Um, and of course, the the beauty of that is it's all under the security umbrella of Microsoft. You, you know, we you know spend billions of dollars on security. So when you connect into satellites, you want to make sure it's secure. Um, so so that's absolutely fantastic. And I'm still thinking of what use case I can get to try and put it in my lab. Um, but I'm sure I'll think of something. <laughs> um, and that that was really really interesting. So I say I think the ones for me were sort of um, broadcast multimedia that, that those sort of organisations. Um, and then really sort of go going into to Natick. Natick was this really cool experiment now um, around sinking data centers, basically, under the sea and seeing, you know, are these uh, viable? Are they um, friendly to, to the um, uh, the animals under the sea, all that sort of thing? So they, they, are they eco-friendly? Um, and what was amazing was seeing that basically I think a whole new series of how we build data centers is just um, kind, of, kind of arrived because, you know, some of the learnings from that, like uh, removing all the oxygen, seem to have a bigger impact on um, t- taking the, uh, the the failure rate down on, on those components. And I think he, it's, uh, Mark was saying, you know, we can't send scuba down, divers down there to go and replace discs and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's built to last. And, and that seemed to be really cool. So I wouldn't be... Um, surprised to start seeing some of those learning like nitrogen filled uh, DCs or something like that. You, you never know, right? Because at that sort of scale, remembering it was only sort of by comparison, a smaller scale uh, POC. So I think it was two years, wasn't it, Sarah? It was, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it was two so, years. So yeah, it, it, it looks fantastic. And um, one thing um, we, we also said is the, the fact that, you know, if you're in certain areas where the land or the power or whatever is quite difficult to, to get hold of, you could just sink an entire DC very close proximity. Because if you take, for example, some of the regions in uh, across Africa, it might be very diff- difficult to put them on the land. But if you can put them in the sea, um, then 
that, that's the continent of Africa that's not having to go to typically EU, EU West, for example. And that could have some really good in, uh, implications for, for those users over there. So that's an exciting one as well. And, um, you know, I've got a scuba diving qualification. So if they're ever in need, then uh, I'm sure I can help out somehow. <laughs> there, there's, yeah, there's Kirk always touting, uh, which is which is what I like. Um, I mean, actually, Sarah, because I mean, they're, they're both fascinating projects. You know, is, is the, you know, from, from a Microsoft point of view, you know, is, is, there, is there other things you can share, you know, maybe particularly from kind of the, the deep sea data center ID, you know, what, what, what kind of things did Microsoft learn that, that maybe weren't so obvious from Ignite? Um, I think Kirk um, touched on the main points, to be honest. Um, I actually had the opportunity during the night to interview Brian Janis, who's in charge of our energy and sustainability for all our Azure data centres. So I managed to get a few questions in around um, Natic as well. Um, but we're doing other cool things with some of our other data centres, actually. Like um, we've got a new region coming up in West US 3, I think we're calling it, and it's in Arizona, where that's going to be entirely powered by solar power because Arizona is massively sunny and we're doing some awesome things with the water as well because it's a desert state obviously and the water is a bit scarce so we're doing some cool things about recycling that water as well um, so I think we're going to see more projects like that certainly when I interviewed Brian he said that when we, we think about some of our data centres we're going to be using the local energy um, obviously if you came to Scotland and built an Azure data centre you would not be using solar panels you would be putting it in the sea and you would be using like wind power and stuff like that um, so I think that's where we're going to I think for me I think that's where we're going to go um, in terms of the data centres and some of the stuff like like Kurt said we will sink data centres off the coast of a country potentially because it will give us better connectivity to that country and be better for sustainability and energy usage and stuff like that so I think that direction that we're going in um, is actually quite exciting even though it's not the technology side although it tight kind of is because that's that's what we need to think about as well nowadays yeah and i, and I think with, with stuff like that it, it's it's the value of events that, that are done by companies like microsoft you know so it doesn't really matter what your view of microsoft technology may or may not be but what you can't deny is that microsoft because of its scale has huge influence so things that so, so it allows microsoft to do you know things that lots of organizations can't so as you were talking about there with with those kinds of what 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 are test and dev you know they're, they're the development projects really you know they're, they're not necessarily being done because right now there's some kind of commercial opportunity for microsoft they're being done because microsoft are trying things out that maybe one day we'll see in kind of daily technology that we, we use you know like kate yep. was saying about how we might see data centers architected differently as you were saying so you know it, it gives you opportunities to potentially do things that you've never thought of doing before um yep. but it also and I, I think one of the things that's fascinating particularly around public cloud and it really stood out for me in, in quite a lot of the the, the things I heard from Microsoft during the, the, the couple of days was the idea that it's it's really um, it, it's making it much easier for people to do really smart innovation you know the power of what sits in public cloud you know people talking about kind of things like quantum computing the scale of compute capability you know those th those kind of things that are in there that were allowing so there's some great examples some great customer examples I thought of how people particularly over the last seven months you know as part of kind of COVID response have taken have been able to build brand new solutions to help their community to help the environment and they've been able to deliver that in the cloud and actually been able to deliver that in the cloud with very little knowledge of how to do development you know I said earlier on it's not it wasn't particularly a Know, necessarily a developer cloud as you're and that that's unfair because actually one of the things that really stood out for me um, and i'd be interested in both of your thoughts on this was was i think 
how easy there's lots of focus on how easy or, or how much effort actually microsoft have put into putting tools and capabilities that are simple to use in the hands of people who know how to use them so i think one of the examples and i forget the school now she was a she was a, a school head teacher and i think she'd kind of developed um a learning platform for a while you know during during kind of the, the covid response and she did that she you know she she freely admitted she wasn't a developer she wasn't a programmer but the tools were given to her put in her hands made easy for microsoft to use things like power automate um, and that allowed her to develop solutions really really quickly because she knew the things that she wanted microsoft gave the capability to do that and, and i thought that was really impressive actually you know somebody who's a you know, a, a, you know, somebody looking into Microsoft and somebody I know who has, has done their own kind of product development outside of actually their day job. You know, how important is that kind of thing from companies like Microsoft to, to put that in, put those kind of capabilities in people's hands? It, it's really important on several levels. I mean, just even if you're semi-technical and you just go, well, will this idea even work? You probably know, understand the logic. You've got a great whiteboard that you can put up and go, I know where my data needs to go. I need you know, the decision trees and everything else. And it's quite natural to think that way as well, to think of, well, here's step one, two, three, four, and step seven is the value of what I'm going to bring as a company. And, you know, it's not necessarily brand new announcements. It's not forgetting the things that Microsoft have already done to innovate around this space. So logic apps, for example, uh, durable functions, um, all, all of these things that you can, you know, pick up. There's no infrastructure. You don't have to maintain it. You just focus on business logic or, or business decisions. So everything from... You know, I can think of manual processes when I was a customer, like cab requests. And, you know, we've got to do our cab and something's got to get approved. And you can put all these approval gates, emails, notifications, everything in, just drag and drop, basically. So, yeah, it's been really important. And the fact that you can do it across so many different pieces. So, you know, you've got the code and everything else, but you've also got, like, just normal office decisions around documents or security decisions or action groups coming off infrastructure. And it's just... Yeah, it's, it, it's great to be able to just focus on what do we need to do rather than how do we need to do it all the time and, and having to go to the real um, low levels of just being able to, to to get that value back out of the system. So that, that's been a game changer. Yeah, that, yeah, and agreed. And I think, you know, from, from your point of view, Sarah, are you, are you, how are you seeing, because you, obviously you're working with customers a lot and how they're moving into the Microsoft Cloud. You know, are you seeing, again, this kind of innovation around, simplifying and putting tools into people's hands who need them you know are you seeing that's that's helping for uh, enterprises to adopt public cloud more easily um i think so i think it, it's really interesting to see what some of the non-techies in the business if you want to call that can do that but it's also interestingly bringing another um, challenge for the it departments if i'm honest because it's great that the business users have access to these tools, but then you have to put some kind of governance and control around it so that the um, the old traditional way, if we're talking about it, was maybe macros in Excel and someone would, and you know, the finance department would make a great macro and it'd be an awesome spreadsheet. That person would leave, it would break, and then all of a sudden the company grinds to a halt, right? We've probably all been there or the spreadsheet is broken. We've had to recover it from backup and it's, it's just been horrid. And I think we need to watch 
um, not being sceptical on putting anything down here, but in the, if, if we're giving the business users tools like Power Automate, we also need to be aware of how to manage these and control them. Um, not stifle animation, not not saying that at all, but be aware of them and just you know have that complete circle of education um, so that the IT department's aware of them as well as the business so that we can all grow together and we don't end up hating each other over micros, uh, macros and stuff like that. <laughs> well, I suppose, like you said, it's, it's, you don't want to repeat the mistakes of the past because that Excel example, yeah, I'm sure everybody listening or watching to this has, has been there where they've seen businesses that almost run on the the excel spreadsheet that fred developed 20 years ago and and fred yeah. died 10 years ago you know it's that kind of <laughs> how does the business continue to run but nobody dare touch it because nobody's sure how the 94 million cells all tie together um so yeah. look I, you know we, we said at the beginning that um and, and before we started recording we felt like we might be here for three days talking about this but you know we did say there was that many announcements that we could talk for three days so to appreciate we're not we're not going to go through many more but but maybe <laughs> as we as we kind of wrap up from, from each of you do you want to kind of give me um if there was something that somebody could go back and see in those ignite sessions because a lot of them will still be online they'll be able to go and catch up with them you know would, is there something you'd recommend that they they went back and had a look at you know if there's if there's one thing that somebody was going to spend some time on yeah you know, i'll start with you okay yeah so shameless plug obviously working <laughs> for netapp but there was a, a great one that um and what i liked uh sarah you mentioned about some feedback i loved the fact you can fill your backpack up and do the real-time stuff, but then have a break because it can get a bit overwhelming sometimes. So um, what I put in my backpack for the breakout was around the new announcement about Azure Spot VMs. So being able to go and get um, the, those that spare resource at discounted price for, for your modern web, web apps. But then what I liked was there was a joint session that we ran on the new announcement. So I, um, NetApp bought uh, Spot, who specialize in orchestrating running your app across spot instances whilst maintaining four nines availability because the risk with a spot is that it no longer is available and it gets switched off but you don't want your application to disappear right so <laughs> so um there was an announcement around elasta group which is the feature for spot that's now there in azure and that's a real big enabler for people that want to do modern web apps using spot applications and have an availability sla across the top so that that was a great breakout session. So shameless plug, definitely go check that one out. Okay, well, we'll make sure make sure that goes in the show notes. And same question to you then, Sarah. So if there's one session, shamelessly feel feel free to shamelessly plug just as just as much. Um, so, but yeah, but if there's one session that if so if somebody was going to say I'm going to take an hour and go and watch something from uh, Ignite, what would it be? Um, I think we did a session around Windows Server and where the future lies for Windows Server. Um, I think a lot of IT pros think that we've left Windows Server behind and it's something that's not going to follow them into Azure. Um, I think if you watch that session, you'll see how we're still developing Windows Server. We're still very much at the heart of what we do and where the future is going with some of the um, Azure Stack HCI operating systems and and various different bits and pieces around even just the admin, you know, Windows admin centers now available in the Azure portal. Um, we are still very much in love with Windows Server. We're still very much, you know, at heart Windows Server people. We've got new learnings. Um, I'm hopeful that we're going to get some exams back. That's what we're banging the drum about. Um, but yeah, 
the Windows Server session and, and where the future is going is 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 probably key for a lot of IT pros who have spent like me and probably like you too have spent their career in Windows Server. So um, definitely check that one out as well. I did see a Twitter poll that said, what was the earliest version of Windows that you'd worked with? Um, I've worked with Windows for so long, the earliest version wasn't on the poll. Um, so so that, was, that was something. It stopped at Windows 95. I, I did pre that. Um, but that's a story for another day. And actually, on that note as well, I, I mean, one, one thing I would suggest people looked at if they wanted to find out more about kind of Microsoft's commitments and view of, of Windows going forward was Brad Anderson and Panos Pane did um, kind of one of the main, it was like a main stage session where they talked mm. about the, the future Windows. And one of my favorite quotes from Ignite came in there where they talked about it's it's not no longer time to start talking about how things have changed we've got to accept they have now changed it's how we deal with that change you know and i, and I think that was there's there some really good messages throughout ignite for that as well so um I, I, you know you, you asked sarah at the beginning had, had microsoft done a good job with it you know i, I mean personally for me i thought it was really well delivered thought the set the balance of the sessions was really good you know the the breakout sessions were were light-hearted enough and entertaining enough to kind of keep me sat, sat at my desk watching um so which is always a good good sign um you know so so that was right and, and, and actually i think what was really important was the quality of how it was delivered as well you know the, the quality of the video was fantastic i i certainly didn't come across any issues where sessions were jittering and stopping and we were you know i i, I didn't see any of that you know i thought that, that microsoft and again probably as you said cyril from what they've learned from a couple of big conferences already mm. this year you know and, and having as you at the back end of that you know to deliver yeah. that kind of scale and deliver it quickly uh, but you know it's 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 like say drinking your own champagne you know if microsoft can't do that well what's the hope for the rest of us so um so look guys as, as kind of we wrap up here you've both shamelessly plugged uh, your own content um but here's a chance to do it again so uh, I'll, st I'll start with you Kirk, because i know you know you 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 produce some really good video content around around the stuff that you do at netapp um and you're you're pretty visible out there on the social so if people want to follow you and 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 hunt you down um and, and find out more about the the day job as well you know how did they uh, how do they go about doing that uh, there's probably three three best places to come and find me. Um, KirkRyan.co.uk is where I put my usual ramblings and uh, link to my videos. Uh, YouTube, just type Kirk Ryan. I think uh, depending where you are in the world, I'll pop up number one or three. Um, and uh, finally, there's a new community, actually. Um, so uh, us ANF folks thought it's time to build a global community around data. So ANFCommunity. Uh, com, and you can find uh, almost daily articles around data, data architecture design, um, and obviously the latest musings around uh, Azure NetApp files there as well. Uh, and it's important not to go searching for Ryan Kirk uh, because he's he's got a whole bunch of different videos on the internet. Uh, yeah, we can't mention those. Uh, are we passed the watershed yet? Yeah, it's a family show. Let's, let's not do that. Um, and for Sarah, for anybody who's not seen uh, the marvelous content that you create, how, how do they go about finding you and uh, and seeing some of the stuff that you do? Yep, so you'll find me on Twitter as um, Techie Lass. Um, I do have my own personal blog, which is techielass.com, but I more often now um, blog on our team uh, blog, which is itopstalk.com. Um, and also, please feel free to join me for the Glasgow Azure User Group, which is going virtual, and we're having a meetup in end of October and December. So, yeah be happy to see you there i will also plug for you uh, for anybody who wants to kind of keep up with um, announcements around microsoft cloud around azure particularly uh, do check out sarah's weekly uh, weekly updates that um, on a friday i think they get pushed out on a friday is that right mm -hmm. 
Friday at 10 a.m. So check, check, her out, uh, check her out on the YouTubes uh, for that. So, um, <laughs> hey, guys, well, thanks for it. I really appreciate you give, giving up your time and uh, and the 25 minutes of uh, technical torch we went through before we started recording. So, um, <laughs> hey, thanks for being on and uh, no doubt have you both back on the show in uh, the not-too-distant future. Thanks very much. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you've got an idea for a show or would like to appear as a Tech Interviews guest, then why not drop me an email at podcast at techstringy.com. And to make sure you catch all future episodes of Tech Interviews, then why not subscribe? You can subscribe on our YouTube channel for the video version of the show, or of course in all good homes of podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>